Here's my friend the vulture, 50 million years old and recognized by humans throughout the ages, not as a bad omen, but as a magical being that transforms old things into new things. He's a purifier, or she's a purifier, and even in the midst of death, you can find this character and many others coming to create something new from it. And there's a life-death life cycle um, in, in everything. That is the, the deepest mystery that we try to learn from all of these different philosophies and religions and people that embody that exact power. And as I walk through my messy little house talking to this camera, I'm, I'm feeling hopeful, I'm feeling energized that I am coming to the other side of life after quite a period of death. A death of a lot of things. And I recognize to come on YouTube and talk in your kitchen to a camera is quite an expression of ego. And I think I just need to anchor into that a little bit, embrace that, that this is my story I'm sharing, and I hope, I hope, hope, hope that it touches you and yours, because I feel that deep down we're all going through very similar experiences, even if on the surface they have different characteristics. Okay, so what am I blabbing about today? I spent the last uh, week in this tiny little house with my family. We all had covid and it was actually quite nice to all have COVID at the same time because if it was just my partner who had COVID, I'd probably just close the door on her and um, yeah, bring her things, but she'd be isolated and lonely. And instead we just got to be uh, fever, uh, wrapped in all of the communal fever that um, a tiny family with a big uh, virus gets. So my point is we've had a lot of time just milling around and thinking and I, I feel like I've woven together some of these last um, big threads that have been dangling for me. And I've got my notes here, because if you're going to do a public speaking, uh, you should at least have some bullets, because uh, this is going to be an important one. Okay, the other night, sort of unexpectedly, and maybe because of the, the COVID fever, I just found myself really, really sad. And I told Kayla, I'm just sad. I just want to be sad. And after the kids had gone to sleep, we were in bed. I wasn't even able to talk. It wasn't words. It was just these feelings. And I got to a place that I've been a couple times in my life, but I would call it, I got to that place of the deepest sadness where the truth becomes apparent. And there are many truths, but one of the truths that I have touched, I have felt, I have seen in this tunneling into the saddest of the sad is the realization that everything is ultimately lost, nothing actually matters, and you yourself don't matter, your life doesn't matter, your story doesn't matter, none of this stuff matters. Because the matter is not ours. That matter, like the vulture, will recycle and recycle and recycle 
And even though on that shelf over there, I have notebook after notebook of all of my most beautiful, unique snowflake thoughts, all it takes is a fire or a flood, and those pages turn back to mush and ash and whatever they were beforehand. So my struggle, I think, or all of our struggle, is this trying to hold on to what is ultimately lost. And it's only lost from a certain perspective, because again, I'm going to keep referencing back that vulture, we're living on a planet that is orbiting, I think it's a third generation star. The sun that is burning in the sky has already burned and burned out and exploded and recondensed more than once. So this little stitch of time that we hold on to with such claw-like tenacity is in itself the fart of an ant on a desert on a planet that is blowing up. And that's what we are. But, but, when you get to that point of sadness, that level of sadness, of just letting go of all of it, letting go of your image of yourself, letting go of the things in your life that you think are critically important, letting go of the image of the world that we think is the one that has to be, when you actually let that go, which I have a couple times now, <laughs> and I did the other night, when you get to that point, that sadness, that, that overwhelming, heavy sadness turns into this light, bubbly, uh, euphoric joy. And we've all had that experience where laughing and crying are, are very, very similar. They share a boundary. You can laugh so hard you cry, and you can cry so hard you laugh. And that recognition that all things are ultimately interstellar dust is a liberating force so powerful that for me at least, it shows me how all of these things, I'm looking over at my dog, I'm looking at all the little possessions I have, I'm looking at this tiny messy little house with my little family that is the age that it is, um, this is sitting against a backdrop of nothing. And so it's so beautiful. It's so special. It is so meaningful in its meaninglessness. And where's my little notes here? So the other night I got down this rabbit hole to this sadness and just, it's there guys, it's there. And I think we've all been feeling pieces of it. And I talked to my partner who is a teacher and she has all of these kids, a lot of you guys, a lot of you younger people are looking around and saying, what the fuck is going on? What is wrong with everybody? What are we doing here? And the, the reasons for getting up and going out into the world, especially as a young person, are as murky as they've ever been. And I think that sadness is, is seeping through the cracks but without that deeper recognition that it's okay. And uh, gosh, I know so many kids and adults that are, this is not a bad thing, it's just a thing. Um, in therapy, on medication, suicidal, uh, just don't see the purpose in it. Because this, um, this purposelessness, this hopelessness is so pervasive. And so I was, I was talking to my, my wife or attempting to 
uh, share with her this experience while I was losing my mind in a COVID fever dream. And in her beautiful, amazing way, just, you know, she, she comforted me and let me just, you know, have this experience, encouraged it, let it happen. And at the end, she said some things that have really stuck with me. And I want to share those with you next, because this is all going somewhere, I promise. Um, she said that stories can save the world. And I thought about that, and I had flashbacks to my last 10 years. You've heard me talk about, this is so deep in my DNA, you guys. Um, community funded was this business, this project, this idea that we started as a way to empower communities to share their stories and then rally together to support the things that mattered. And it was a way to short circuit banks and short circuit uh, all the people that normally hold the strings on the money and get to say what happens or not. We wanted to take that power back, give it to the people and inspire creators and businesses and uh, communities to take that control and to say, we want a park there. Boom, we can come together, we can tell a story about it. We want a community garden. I wanna start this business. I want to create this piece of art. I wanna record this music. Um, it, in effect, was a lot like a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo or a GoFundMe, like a crowdfunding platform, but it had at its core this bigger realization that by connecting communities, not just individuals, but communities, we had the ability to do anything. Anything was possible when it was community funded. And that storytelling is something that I've been telling the story of for a decade, how human beings come together around shared stories to raise barns, move mountains, do huge constructions for the betterment of that people, of those people, because the story is what's bringing them together. Why is this important? Why am I lifting this shovel? Why am I sacrificing my current momentary happiness or needs for this bigger vision? And friends, right now, as I look in the world, that is what's missing. We are missing our stories that are worth living. And I don't think it has to be that way. And it's, it's hard for me because on one hand, I had this fire and fever for so long that we had a solution, we had an idea, and then it got so twisted up and mired in this same system that uh, capitalizes and um, cannibalizes all of the best of the human spirit. And as this is going out on YouTube, this is happening here too, we have arranged things such that our stories are feeding one bigger story that's not the one that's serving us. This bigger story that all of this YouTube content and all of the TV shows and all of the big movies, a lot of the music, a lot of what we say and think and feel are all feeding this current story, this current narrative where we're on a sick planet, we're a sick people, we need technology to help us, uh, the convenience is what we're all striving for. Progress is just more, uh, more, more, more for more people. That story has sucked out of us, I think, the human heart that is still beating in all of us. 
and that recognizes that this is all upside down and kind of bullshit. And so with crypto, uh, what was the big appeal? What was the big draw? I think for me, it was this idea of, okay, I tried my thing. It didn't work. It ran up against this big system. But now here are these people that are that are still fighting the system. They're still working from the inside to create value exchange. Value exchange. We can move our value around the planet. But I'm realizing that without a story, without stories that we give a fuck about, there is no value. You cannot have values unless... And, you know, I keep interchanging these on purpose. You know, if I move a one a one and a zero from here to there, and now that person has that one and a zero, that only matters if there's a story behind it of why that one and a zero is important. And if all we're talking about are these funny money tokens that we're trading and speculating and we're all trying to get wealthy, that is completely the wrong story. That is not a story worth waking up for in the morning because all it leads is to personal um, elevation or destruction personal excess or destitution. And that's what we've been seeing in crypto. And that's what kind of makes me sick. Let's check in with this. So, okay. The, the other, the other little piece here, uh, you know, in talking about this, this crypto, uh, can we combine it? This is what I'm, what I'm coming back around to is that I'm holding a camera right now and I'm telling one version of a story and I know it's getting a little tangled. I need to practice this. Um, but the story that I want to tell is, is complicated. Uh, this is uncomplication and the story I have to tell is very complicated because when you have a world as complex as where we are, what we're doing, who we are, all of it, you cannot just stay at the surface and pretend simplicity. That naive simplicity is what causes us to take shortcuts and to ignore things that come back and bite us later. I think it takes a level of necessary complexity to get to the profound simplicity of this bigger picture. And so what I'm realizing is there is a philosophical question that is so deep it's the one that my, my business partner, uh, McCabe, and I, in all of our quests and journeys and hikes and drug trips before we started Community Funded and during, this was one of those ones that we kept coming back to. And the best way I can find to phrase it is, how much do you hold on to versus how much do you let go of? Another way of saying it is, how much do you try to influence things versus how much do you just let them happen? And life is this bizarre dance of the two. That to hold on completely is to go over the waterfall and, and be obliterated. And to let go completely is also to go over that waterfall because you're not even, you're not even looking, you're not even trying, you're just assuming that everything's going to turn out great. And it, and it doesn't always. And so I think in this story that, I, that I'm trying to tell and I'm kind of noodling through... It's this, it's a double, it's, it's an oxymoron or a paradox, but it's a powerful one. And it's this, it's that you, you right now, as you are, are perfect. You are exactly as you are. 
not how you should be or ought to be or how you need to be or how you're destined to be. You're just how you are. And there is no other way to be. There is no other way to be than how you are right now. And that is so liberating. That sadness that I'm talking about, that is in every single moment. It's in every single breath. It's behind everything we dream and love and do. But if we're not holding on to it, if we're not clinging and saying that it has to be this way, we have to fight the power, we have to uh, insert any action here. If we can find acceptance in things the way they are, but still that empowerment to be the agents of change, to be the vultures, to be the ones that come and pick through the carcass of the last generation's hopes and dreams and transform them into something new that takes flight, then that is the power, the promise, and the potential of your life. And so it's the two together. It's the letting go of this idea that we have to do anything, that it's a battle of good and evil, and oh, evil's going to win, and oh, it's the sick planet, oh, it's all dying. We don't have to fight with that level of intensity, but once you realize that this life is a gift, it's a dream, it's the dream had by the dreamer that is just looking for a surprise, that we can go out and do anything and everything. And coming out of COVID, coming out of, you know, personal COVID and the big COVID and just seeing how much has changed and missing my friends and missing the way things used to be, but not holding on to them, letting that go and instead having that life, death, life. What's that next life? What's it going to be? Um, I also recognize that there's a resistance involved. And I was thinking about this the other day, um, Josh, wonderful human, he's actually riddled throughout some of the insight that I'm sharing here, uh, sent me this book about, um, it's called The War of Art, and it talks a lot about the artist's uh, biggest enemy being resistance. And I feel that every single day. I feel that every day when I wake up and I want to hold this camera, and even right now when I'm like, what is this, like 20 minutes, and I'm just like, blabbing. There's so much resistance for me to put this down, for me to go back to bed, for me to just go find something comfortable or easy to do and to not do anything at all. And I think that that resistance, you know, it all fits into the same paradox that you don't need to do anything. You're fine just the way you are. But by God, if you have something to do, if you have something to say, if you have something to share, something to make, something that the world doesn't have that you feel it needs, Get the fuck up and do it. Find what that resistance is in your life and just go after it and recognize it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be anything. The fact that it is anything, that's the gift, that's the miracle. And I was consulting my, um, it was another friend who has a business. I've been doing a fair amount of consulting since I um, left Community Funded. But we were talking about how I think it's funny <laughs> that here in Fort Collins, there's these train tracks and I, and they're on this weird hill where it kind of like dips down. And so it's a pretty violent little uh, crossing. And I've just recognized that if I'm going 30 miles an hour, I'll slow down to 25. If I'm going 40 miles an hour, I'll slow down to 35. If I'm going 60 miles an hour, I'll slow down to 50 miles an hour why don't I just hit the track? 
at any speed, whatever I'm doing, clearly the car can take it, clearly I can take it. Why is there this mental preparation that something needs to be done first to do this next thing? And I feel like that is a symbol of resistance. It's this way of passing the buck forward of, oh, I'm not ready yet. Oh, I need to, I, I, I can't do that today because X, Y, or Z, I don't have the right equipment. I haven't practiced enough, blah, 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 whatever it is, resistance, let it go. Let that go too. So I'm coming around full circle. I know this is just, you know, a crazy man scrawling after a COVID uh, fever week, but this is what I'm coming, coming down to is that the world needs you. The world has you. And now is your opportunity to tell or find a story worth living. What is the story here? What are we all doing together as a community on this planet? I promise you, no matter what your religion or your uh, politics or your economic status, the things that you need to survive are the same as your neighbor, are the same as the person that you distrust. And so that story, that bigger story, is what I want to find. I, I don't want to slow down because I know it's there. I know that this moment in history is a murky one. I know it's difficult. I know it's confusing. But I know that this is just one little sentence in a book that goes on and on and on. And if we can find some glimmers, if we can find some people that are sharing a story... Uh, that's the other thing, you know, just because we all have the ability to tell our stories doesn't mean we all need to. Sometimes listening is the absolute best way to find where we plug in and what our true value is to that story. I think right now in this world, it's all about individuals. I mean, even me, I'm doing it right now. I'm putting out this YouTube channel. It's the Ryan show. What is our show? What is the... Who are the people that are sharing a vision that are worth getting behind and waking up in the morning and getting out there and moving some dirt and helping people and feeding people? Um, I think that we, we need to turn off the voices that aren't serving us and we need to, to really put our ear to the ground and try and find these voices that can help illuminate what feels like a very dark period. And... That's, that's my huge rant. How long was this? Wow, 26 minutes. But hey, it is what it is. It's not perfect. I'm just going to put it out there. I hope that uh, it, it meant something to you. And um, yeah, I, I love the, the dialogue. I love the comments. So if this meant anything to you, uh, please, please share what that is and, and what you're taking from it and where the stories are that you are investing your value in. And I will tell you that I am getting up. I am going to do things. I am going to be in the world and I am going to shine, not for my own uh, self-improvement, although that's, I guess, part of it, but for my participation in life. That is the basis. Helping people and connecting with people, that is what human beings do. It drives us. It fills us. I'm going to get back to doing it. All right. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Oh my gosh, look how much better the light is when I face this direction. All right, last thoughts. Become a patron of Uncomplication. And if you have a story to share, if you are a person that um, 
you, you have a piece of the puzzle, you want to have a, a deep conversation with me, uh, reach out, rs at uncomplication.com. I want to find who are the storytellers, who are the artists, who are the poets, who are the illuminators that are going into this dark time and place and coming out with something that we can all hold, that we can all share, and those are the stories and the voices that I'm looking for, so don't be shy, reach out, let's connect. Okay, cheers.